heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today from the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Friday morning, the 2nd of December. A very good morning to everybody through 4SB and Kingaroy, 4ZR and Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI and Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning and everything is happening around Queensland. We're going to talk to Susan McDonald, Carl Rackerman, Brendan Parnell with a great news story and we will give you an update on that tragedy of that missing teen. And that was a very, very sad story yesterday. Uh, when it was announced that the missing teenager who obviously has been in the headlines an awful lot over the last couple of weeks has been, was discovered, um, her body discovered yesterday uh, in Richmond in some bushland. Uh, a very, very sad state and uh, one that we obviously uh, really, really thoughts are with everybody involved. Uh, it was a horrible situation and one that, you know, we all, um, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved. Um, Look, I mean, Tia Wright-Finger was a lovely young girl and um, the information, and this was reported in the Courier-Mail and the Country Life, that her body was found near Bushland in near Richmond. Um, It was at 10.30am. The 19-year-old's body was approximately 600 metres from the blue Toyota Prado, which was found in Bushland on November 30. She was last seen around October the 16th uh, on a road in Richmond when she was dropped off by a friend at a four-wheel drive she had been driving. Uh, our deepest condolences to everybody involved. A, a shocking situation. Susan McDonald joins us next. Let's he- get into it. A bit brighter note. It's her last day of politics for the year in Canberra and she joins us next. Back to rural Queensland today. For the last time in 2022, Senator Susan McDonald joins us as a regular on a Friday morning. Senator, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, good morning, Ben. It's hard to believe the year's coming to an end, um, but it is terrific to talk to you and to uh, wish everybody Merry Christmas. Yeah, it certainly has been a big year politically. Um, I mean, we had a change of government, so much uncertainty now around our economy, and yet. We still have had record prices in the agricultural sector and some real successes and some wins in Northern Australia, Senator, but there just seems to be from the federal government a real softening of wanting to to bang the drum for Northern Australia and that's the big concern for me. I mean, you, you know it, you live it, you breathe it, yet we are in a situation where we are going through so much, um, I suppose, trial and tribulation around it and turbulence, yet we don't really know what it looks like moving forward. Well, that's right, Ben, and we've been working really hard, particularly over the last three years, to push the Northern Australia agenda to make sure that we were making, doing the long-term planning, the master planning for the regions of growth, making sure that the money that government was spending was directed well, it was coordinated between the federal, state and ter- and local governments, uh, and that we really had a plan to develop the north. And the things I was most proud about was some of the um, supply chain roads, sealing more roads, uh, and, and the water projects. You know, we just got a little bit of water ready for, um, a little bit of money ready, I should say, for the Richmond uh, irrigation scheme, for the Huendon water bank. 
uh, the bigger Hewenden, um irrigation project, as well as, of course, Hell's Gate, Urana, the um, pipeline down to Bowen. You know, these were all really important projects. And unfortunately, under the new government, um, all of that money's been cut. We're now talking about reef regulations again. We're talking about less activity and reef catchments. Uh, but we're definitely not talking about the potential and possibility of the north and how we, uh, you know, build the right infrastructure to build it for another generation. Can I ask you, and and I mean this genuinely, there's a six-week wait to see a doctor in different parts of rural and regional Queensland, and the shortage of general practitioners in rural and regional Queensland has left people in all, all sorts. Now, you know, it, it is beyond a joke the health system that has been going on for some time, like beyond a joke. I know this is not your area, but, you know, if you look at rentals and the housing shortage, if you look at the health crisis, if you look at the infrastructure, there is a real shift for this government at the moment from a federal and state perspective to not put and inject money back in, yet they want to up the royalties. They want to continue to take but not give back. Uh, the, The health issue is an absolute mess. Uh, because for years we have been propping up the uh, regional areas or GPs right across Australia with the uh, import of overseas trained doctors. And so we've been bringing in about 3,000 doctors a year. But what happened during COVID when those people weren't able to move is it shone the light on what really is the biggest problem. So, you know, when I finished school, you know, 30-odd years ago, doctors at that stage about 50% of those who trained as doctors became general practitioners. That number is now down to 13.5% are choosing to go into general practice. And that is the heart of the problem, is that we can train more and more Australian kids, but they're not going into general practice because uh, particularly in regional areas, they have to deal with more complex situations. <laughs> one GP told me he even had to treat somebody's cat one day. You know, yeah. you're expected to be uh, across more issues and uh, with patients that you live with as well as uh, treat. And so it's a it's a really valuable, important career and less Australian kids are choosing to do that. So that means we need to rework the way um, Medicare payments are made. We have to rework the kind of training and support we give to to young people and how we talk about general practice as being the bedrock of our healthcare and our communities in regional Australia. And, um, you know, we will continue to focus on that. But I think that's what COVID shone the light on is that if we really have a structural problem. It's not just that we don't have it. We're not training enough Australian kids. It's that they're not choosing to go into general practice. Uh, but it is critically important because without it, we we just can't have communities in regional, r- uh, rural and remote places then. Yeah, you're dead right. Talk to me about the reef. I mean, Peter Reid, you know, the science we've spoken to David about it, there's a real push, isn't there, to try and shut the reef down and tell us how bad it is. It's just nowhere near what they are saying at this moment. Uh, look, we have been pushing off the UN and their desire to to say the reef is dead for years. And now we have uh, the the Australian Marine uh, Sciences uh, Grumper saying there is more hard coral cover than there has been in the last 38 years. Uh, The reef is in good shape. 
yes, there are going to be bleaching events. There's going to be, um, you know, a, a, a effects on the reef uh, the way there is on any landscape. But we have been doing a mighty job in Australia to, uh, to make sure that we are um, doing everything we can to properly monitor and manage water quality. And, you know, one of the things we're doing, I hate to keep looking backwards, but one of the things we're doing in government was finally addressing um, the issue of town water runoff and sewerage. And when anybody with a garden in town can go and buy fertiliser or pesticides and pour them onto their garden or down the gutters which run out into the into the water, uh, we're finally putting some money behind how to manage that instead of demonising farmers all the time. So, you know, this Labor government will, of course, dive back into bed with all the environmentalists saying doom and gloom and the world's coming to an end, but it's not. The real story is, is that the reef is in, is in good shape. Of course, we need to continue to, um, you know, live to the highest standards that we can. That, that's the way we want to. I'm, most people I know who live around the reef have a boat, love to go fishing, um, so they're as, as concerned as anyone to make sure that we, we do the right thing. But at the moment, we have no concern to be saying that the reef, the reef is in danger. And uh, and I just hope that the Environment Minister, Tony Plibersek, has got the guts to stand up and say, no, that's not the case. Australia is doing a good job and um, and you can, you can go away and come back later. <laughs> Our guest this morning is Susan McDonald. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Our guest this morning is Susan McDonald, the Senator for Northern Australia. Senator? We are uh, some legislation passing through the Senate the last couple of days. I mean, the last day of po- Parliament today. Um, some good news stories? Well, look, the good news is that we're going home. Uh, it has been a long year. Um, Labor has uh, talked a big game about how they're about family-friendly work hours, about how they're for low-paid workers, about um, uh, about a number of things. But you know, unfortunately, to date, I've only seen a lot of rhetoric, yeah. and I've only seen rhetoric that's going to be bad for um, our small and medium businesses right across Queensland and regional Australia. Uh, and worse, the, the introductions that they're making. Um, are not about helping low-paid workers, particularly in feminised industries, so childcare, nursing homes. If that was what they wanted to do, they would have done some practical measures um, around talking to fair work about, you know, increasing awards for those people. Instead, what they've done is they've gone paid off the unions, the $100 million that the unions have given them over the last two years. Um, they've introduced legislation they didn't take to the last election and that is around multi-employer bargaining. What that allows uh, allows unions to do is to come in and get uh, businesses in the same region, in the same shopping centre or the same industry, uh, get strike actions happening. And the way, place they're going to do them is in the places where they make money, mining companies. Uh, I think Qantas is definitely on their hit list. Uh, and that they're going to attack jobs and people and employers in those places. And the side effect That's is going worry. to be... Yeah. Every small business, over 20 people, you know, it is it is a kick in the guts for people who are struggling to find workers, who are struggling to pay higher electricity, fuel, food, transport costs, who can't find workers who are working seven days a week, um, and this is going to be an inflationary measure. I, look, I think this is an example of a government who, like every Labor government we've had before, 
We vote the coalition out. We vote Labor in. We say we want to give them a crack. We've had it. We're tired of the other team. And then we give them a go. And after one or two or three terms, we go, oh, my God, we better get the blue team back in to fix the budget, to fix the economy, to get people back into jobs, to get productivity up and get the sure. and be able to pay the bills so that we can have this great lifestyle that we enjoy. Uh, and unfortunately, you can see the writing on the wall already that that is happening. This is a government that is introducing things that are bad for people to have jobs. It's bad for North Queensland and regional Australia. And um, I wish I could be a bit more positive. But look, we've had a great season. You're right. Cattle prices are good. Commodity prices are good. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't complain because there's a lot of good things in our lives. But government makes a big difference in how easy or how hard it is for those things to happen. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long couple of weeks. No, I don't know what. very it certainly was. No, well, you've done a phenomenal <laughs> job. What's the big goal in 2023, Senator, that you'd like to see? What what, what difference can, can the opposition make in government in 2023 and what are you going to be pushing for? Yeah, well, it's a great question and it is continuing to back in the practical measures that make it easier for um, for us in regional Australia to have jobs, to employ people, uh, to get affordable insurance with the reinsurance pool, uh, to do some serious planning about which are the important roads and supply chains that need to be um, built and sealed, uh, continuing to hold the state government to account about why aren't they putting forward water projects. Tasmania built 16 of the last 20 dams in Australia because every time the federal government said, here's a couple of dollars, do you want to store some water? Tasmania said yes. And Queensland, with asked the same question, has said no. We've seen that with the um, state minister saying to the new um, environment minister, no, no, we don't need the money for Urana Dam. Uh, we don't need money for uh, these these water projects. And so the federal government has pulled them. Um, you know, that. so I'll be focusing on how do we continue to shine a light on these things so that Queenslanders can, can give some pretty clear feedback and direction to the government about, hey, hey, no, no, this is not good enough. This is not what we want. Um and of course, at the, at the elections in two years' time, that they can be, you know, have have um, a really clear direction about what is the difference between governments at a state level and a federal level, and we can hopefully get back to building dams, to um, providing affordable electricity, uh, not having this headlong rush to shut down coal-fired power stations, to transition to renewable energy without a plan, which we know we don't. We don't have the mines to mine, the cobalt, the nickel, and the lithium and vanadium that we need for batteries. We don't have the technology to put um, solar panels on every roof and to have battery back up to store it. We just don't, and, and we cannot afford the blackouts and the escalating price costs, of, of electricity costs, that this will result in. So... You know, um, but this is a time to, to try and get a break over Christmas, see your family, see your friends, recharge. Uh, next year, there's lots of opportunities. Um, it's, it's a great time to be alive and uh, we'll all continue working hard for what we believe in, which is, uh, for me anyway, developing regional Queensland, developing the North. Yeah, well, you do a fantastic job for that and we appreciate everything you do. You make yourself available every single week. Um, Senator Susan McDonald. 
Thank you so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Really appreciate uh, everything that you've done for us. And thank you so much. Um, and I hope you and your family have a wonderful uh, time. I know uh, you'll be getting back to, to Queensland for a bit, no doubt, um, in in Cloncurry, uh, on the coast, in Townsville. You'll be in Brisbane and obviously having a break and catching up on a well-earned time, some well-earned rest. Appreciate your time this morning. Hey, and thanks to you too, Ben, because unless we have shows like yours that talk about these important issues, we wouldn't get a chance because uh, who else is talking about you know, the important parts of the country. So thanks to you as well. But, yes, Merry Christmas. Have a great a great break. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. That's Senator Susan McDonald on Rural Queensland today. Come back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, yesterday um, there was some huge news that broke. Well, it was this week, in fact. The Queensland racing industry is set to receive an additional $31 million in increased prize money from next year. And this can be put down to a couple of amazing things, that racing is alive and well through the phenomenal work of Racing Queensland. For the last time on Rural Queensland today, and I say that um, with a lot of disappointment as the CEO of Racing Queensland, Brendan Parnell joins us. Brendan, good morning. Uh, Firstly, I just want to say congratulations on the new role um, and how disappointed everybody would be, myself included, that... Uh, mate, they're losing you to Racing Queensland. You've done a phenomenal, phenomenal job and it just goes to show that, you know, y- your legacy lives on with this huge announcement made um, just recently by the Premier that we're going to get more prize money for the bush and for, for racing in Queensland. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, good morning. And um, I'm not going just yet. I'll be here till the end of March on current planning and um, exciting to take a, a big role in the UK. But now, this is an important one because the, the government here has been, the Palaszczuk government, very supportive of racing and the share of the new betting tax will see an extra $31 million go into prize money. The bush now goes to minimum race prize money of ten grand for the non-tabs, fifteen grand for the tab conversions and no race in the regular tab circuit worth less than twenty grand. It's unreal, isn't it? It's unreal. It's unheard of. Mike, tell me this, um, you, you know, you... You, you get this kind of stuff. Is the reason, and I know the betting tax, you know, it, it, it is going to be it, but the way that you guys have grown it, does that help when they make that decision? Like this is a really big boost as well. There's no two ways about it. But do they see just what you've done? Like, I mean, country racing has never been as strong. That's right. And over the last five years, 4,000 extra jobs have been added um, in the Sunshine State. And that's just through a whole lot of commercial activities, Dobbo. It's it's commercialising the calendar, converting non-tabs to tabs, uh, additional night racing, uh, innovations through the carnivals, the Battle of the Bush, the Country Cups Challenge, and all of that has driven higher revenue. So that helps the betting tax revenue, but it's not the only driver towards how we've managed to grow revenue. Yeah. Um, it, it, it absolutely it bodes well. Now, talk to me about where clubs get money from. I understand prize money. How do you prop up some of these clubs? Because... You talk about it, some of the clubs are struggling at the moment and a bit of money going towards them, not just the prize money. Does that help? Oh, it does. And The biggest single percentage increase in the last four years has been to clubs and we had to invest in our clubs. They're the ones putting on the show. They've got largely volunteer um, employment base and and they're the ones that are week in, week out and and those that are training centres day in, day out are uh, helping get the horses ready for race day. They're getting their tracks in the right order and safer and more suitable for racing. Um, are we there yet? We've still got work to do in some tracks, but it's um, the clubs are doing an amazing job. And 
And with that, our funding of them will increase as well, as you will have seen in yesterday's announcement. An extra $6 million per annum will go towards clubs for club funding and also for um, infrastructure upgrades. Yeah, so that's a great thing. So where where's the where's the money, the big money go to? Let's talk about the Winter Carnival. Is does that you know the big the, the best horses in Australia come to, to Queensland in the winter? Is it putting more money on those Group Ones as well? Is that is that a thing? Well, we would have seen today's announcement that the iconic Queensland, uh, most iconic Queensland race, the Spread Rope, will go to three million dollars. It's a race that Queenslanders compete well in. It's a race that's fallen behind other states and their their rise. And our best race uh, had been sitting at one and a half million for recent years. So wow. a race that's a handicap that's won by Queenslanders plenty of times and compete in, we thought was the right investment. Yep. Um, otherwise, the majority of the prize money announced yesterday is going into grassroots at all levels. So every tier of racing will get an upgrade. Um, the, the the group the carnival races out of the thirty one million dollars received just one and a half million dollars towards upgrades. The $3 million Stradbroke is going to bet the best horses in the land. There's no two ways about it. No, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. You look in recent years, Rothfire placing, tie zone winning, uh, and then this, the current lineup of sprinters we've got in this state is phenomenal. They starred during the Melbourne Spring. Yeah, and um, and I think that moving forward, um, you know, we, we are on the right track. Are you comfortable? I mean, you, you, you talk about um, other areas of it. What about greyhounds and harness racing? Do they get money as well? Yeah, it's been a, um, a record uptick for all three codes uh, this time. And so each of the codes will be increasing $17 million for thoroughbreds, $9 for greyhounds, and $5 million for harness racing. And it, coming into a year where we'll be hosting the Inter-Dominion and, um, and the big race, the Tab Phoenix in Melbourne, the $1 million of the winner race. Last night we had the Flame at Albion Park, and the winner there will go into that race. So all three codes are growing market share, they're growing runner numbers, and they're growing breeding numbers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that the, it bodes well for everything and the direction that this is heading. Thank you so much, mate. Listen, um, from all of us, if we don't get to you again, you've done a phenomenal job and the UK job that you're taking is huge. When will they make the announcement on the, the next CEO? Is that is that a process that, that is underway? How does that work? Uh, ben, it's a process that's commenced and uh, we'll be in the market from next week. I'll hopefully have a chance to provide a thorough handover to the incoming CEO once they've made a decision. So the Racing Queensland Board will be overseeing that. And it's been a delight to lead, and it's actually a privilege to be a custodian of this amazing industry. Uh, But this weekend, we've got the Country Cups Challenge partnering with the Royal Flying Doctor Service. It just goes to show how far and wide our reach is. So once they've got a new one, uh, but I'll be around dead into the new year and uh, available to catch up and update everyone on what's happening in the racing industry. Good on you. Have a great Christmas. We appreciate everything you do. Great news. Uh, more money. And look, the, the, the funding the funding that is going to regional race clubs and to non-TAB meets and to TAB meets in the bush regionally is unbelievable. $31 million announced yesterday. Uh, for racing here, extra prize money, which is just phenomenal for everybody. Uh, that is a huge, huge boost, and um, it is just a great result for everybody involved. Uh, Brendan Parnell, CEO of Racing Queensland, appreciate your time. Have a great Friday, and we'll talk to you again shortly. Merry Christmas. And a happy Christmas to all your listeners and you too, Dobbo. Thank you. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. That's a good news story. This is Rural Queensland Today.
Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We have a test match going on in Western Australia and Australia declared yesterday against the West Indies at four for 598. What an absolute flat deck. Uh, the West Indies are none for 74. They trail by 524 runs up the two days. It's not entertaining test cricket unless you like watching batsmen. I mean, that's the big thing. There was some massive, massive scores. Marnus Lubbershane, 204. Steve Smith, 200 not out. Um, Travis Head, left stranded on 99, bowled. Um, and Usman Khawaja, 65. The only bloke that didn't score any runs was Warner on five. He'd be absolutely ruining that. And this is making for a long test match. Carl Rackerman, uh, former New- Queensland and Australian great fast bowler joins us this morning and also from Oz Value Ag, he joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? Hey, Dobbo. Pretty good. How are things with you? All right. Unbelievable. I mean, what 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 do you think when you get these kind of – is it irresponsible of the curator to put a pitch up like this? It's just a flat track, mate. It's just a bad as paradise. In terms of the scoreboard, it is, but I saw a photo of the track and it was green and the curator actually said – um, how expect, he expected it to be quick and bouncy and uh, plenty there, like the old days of Perth, he said. And the wicket, he also said, was the same soil as it used to have. Now, I could be wrong here, but I thought that uh, they were having trouble sourcing that old original soil and they relayed the whacker itself. Uh, and, and it's never been the same since, and that was apparently because it was slightly different soil. So... I'm just not 100 on all of that, but the fact is it was green yesterday um, and it clearly wasn't that quick or that bouncy um, or doing that much because uh, Australia had no trouble there. I didn't get to watch it. I don't know how good or or not so good the West Indies bowled. I see their coach said that he thought they'd bowled and uh, were unlucky with plays and misses going on uh, quite frequently in the first couple of sessions and, okay, that can happen, but Gee whiz, it's a mountain of runs. You don't often see two double hundreds in no. the same innings. No, um, and also, and, uh, also Travis Head out on 99, you know, bold. On, on 99. Kenny, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, they were trying to get them up for, you know, the century as well, which is just unbelievable. Travis Head will be ruining that. But the the, the, the thing is then that Australia's bowling lineup is – this is the most – Complete test seam I've seen from Australia in some time, and it's obviously leading up to the seventeenth. We've got another test against the West Indies. Then on the seventeenth of December, we head to the we head to the uh, obviously big one, which is at the Gabba, and that's Australia versus South Africa. Now, the only thing I'd say is that you know the West Indies are none for seventy four at stumps, which says to me that, that you know there's obviously good batsmen there, but it but there's nowhere near at the moment, um, it looking like there's going to be a rain on wickets. Now, if you look at live win probability, they've got Australia at 77% and the draw at 22 That will change dramatically if the Windies bat through today. It will. And uh, look, the West Indies can play a canny game here if they get runs and uh, get to a position somewhere, declare once they're past the follow-on and leave Australia with on what's clearly going to be um, still good batting conditions, one would think, if the groundsman's uh, uh, predictions in that regard are correct, that it won't deteriorate that much. And Australia having to try and set a total, um, enough time for them to bowl Windies out, uh, it could be an interesting game. But much depends on today. West Indies have got to bat through today, get a really good total on the board, 
and and then make it pretty hard for Australia to draw the right balance between uh, a score that's going to be hard to get, but enough time to bowl the West Indies out. So, look, sometimes these games that start off with big scores in the in the first innings uh, finish up being pretty entertaining, interesting affairs. So, you know, there's three days to go. Let's see what happens. But, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot resting on the first couple of sessions. We want to see Shivnarine Chanderpool's son, who's 47 not out, I think, um, uh, firstly get his 50 but go on to make a big one gee isn't, a, isn't that a good story now Chanderpool Senior uh, is the, the highest run scorer in West Indies history and and played the most tests of any West Indian and his son uh, Tejnareen uh, is, is looking pretty good so really good he's got the captain at the other end Brathwaite he's not out having also jagged two wickets by the way the captain the seventh bowler used finished up with two for 60 odds so yeah. The captain's in there having a go. Hey, Dobbo, we should mention as well, talking about big scores, I'm not sure if you're up with what's happening in Pakistan, where where England won the toss and batted on day one over there, and they scored uh, four for 506 in the first day. Wow. Now, that's, that's four centurions, four guys made 100, uh, only... only uh, one of them who didn't score better than a runner ball of the four centurions, they just went out and smashed them. Uh, it's, the high, it's the highest first day run scoring uh, in test history. Um, so it's not just uh, in Perth where it's uh, runs galore. It's, uh, it's went, they just went nuts over there. And in only 75 overs, so they're 15 overs short of a full day's play, bad light came to bear there. It's just incredible stuff. Yeah, you're dead right, uh, and that's quite unbelievable, uh, as you say. Just an, an amazing situation. Let's talk um, long term. Do you think the Australian side is it is the right the right mix with this Test team? Oh, I think for now it is definitely, and really pleased for Kawaja. You think of all the time that Kawaja sat out, not being selected when he should have been over the years. Um, he still finished up playing a, a good lot of Tests, but he should have been in this team permanently probably for the for the last 10 years um, and he's now what is he 35 or 36 and finally they've realized that that uh, he's just got to play and he's there opening the batting and looking really really good and comfortable and so uh, I'm pleased for him but that's good for the Australian side um, the side has reached a stage where it, pit, it picks itself um, uh, we'll see how green goes that's the big thing we want is someone which we haven't had since Keith Miller who plays in the side good enough to bat, good enough to bowl. And, uh, you know, his bowling's just tremendous. But old yep. bowls 140 Ks and good, keeps the pressure on, swings the ball, gets wickets. Uh, to have that fourth bowler in your side who bats at six and gets runs, it, it's just a dream. And, um, you know, you don't get those sort of players too often. And Keith Miller was our last. So, although he batted four, by the way. But, um, yeah, it's just great. So the Australian team's... Really looking solid, really looking good. Steve Smith, back to his very best. Um, and Lubbershane, gee whiz, I mean, uh, his stats are just piling on. So um, ahead of South Africa, as you mentioned, Dobbo, from a Queensland point of view, um, it's starting in December uh, on, on a Saturday. Both of those things are uh, not too common. Saturday's not an ideal day to start a test match in my books. Well, in fact, it's not good at all. But anyway, that's what's happening. Can't drizzle about that. That's I'm going to be there. I'll be there. I'll be <laughs> yeah, there. So are you, Carl. <laughs> You're looking forward to it. Mate, just quickly, Osvalue Ag, you got some new products before and it's Christmas time. Good opportunity. 
Well, look, yeah, um, uh, every day is Christmas as far as Oslo Ag is concerned. You don't have to wait for Christmas to buy something. But um, we've got some really exciting things happening. And uh, we, we bought one in last year into Queensland. Um, our parent company in Ballarat had bought quite a few in last year. But um, the Underfirth Grain Chaser bin, and uh, really top-notch piece of gear um, out of America, Um so we've we've just stuck without getting the full range of Underfirth, but we've concentrated on the thirty ton model, um, the eleven thirty eight, uh, and it and it empties in three minutes, and uh, it's just so well built. So we we bought four in for this year, and we've got um, six ordered for next year, and they they are just really top machines, and and a big big piece of gear, but they do the job beautifully. And the other thing is, I think I might have spoken with you back. Uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, where we, we got into slurry tankers and we got this slurry tanker out of Italy um, made by the Bassini factory and it just ticked every box and, uh, you know, our customer said this this actually has exceeded my expectations. You don't often hear that. And um, it was a brand new piece of gear, not something I knew much about at all uh, other than that they existed when we got into it. But um, then we went to order the second one and the combination of, um, coronavirus and then the Ukraine war and energy costs and uncertainty of supply and the factory said we, we just um, are reluctant to take your order because we don't know when we could have it built by and it could be 18 months and we don't know what it's going to cost because costs are going up so much and their suppliers wouldn't guarantee them costs for their orders either so that just turned to dust almost but um, I've just got back from a trip to uh, the US and to Canada, um, talking to some factories over there, and we're pretty excited that uh, a company called Noon in Canada, and uh, they make top gear and uh, really strong, so good for Australian conditions, and tick all the boxes we think we need for a machine like this in Australia. So we haven't bought one in yet, but I think it won't be long, and we're back in the slurry tank again. So that awesome. that's really, really, really exciting stuff, yeah. Good on you, Carl. Have a great Christmas, mate. I'll see you at the Gabba, and thank you for everything you do for us in rural and regional Queensland. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dobbo. And, you know, we're away out from Christmas, but I hope everyone does have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and, and a very safe one. So uh, let's make the most of it. Let's enjoy. We've had some rough years, but this one's looking good, eh? Thank you, Carl Rackerman. We'll take a break, come back with more. Well, that's it from us here at Rural Queensland today, and that's the end of it for our year of 2022. We are finishing up for the year. We are back on January the 16th. Can I just say to everybody how thankful I am of the support that we get for this great show, Rural Queensland today. Since 2016, we've been delivering it to you on a daily basis, and we have so much more to give. I love sharing the stories of rural and regional Queensland. I love being able to be a part of your lives every single day and giving back. It is what makes me tick. We've had some wonderful stories. We've had some heartache. We've had some despair, but I've been able to share your stories every single year. I love this show. I love rural Queensland today, and I love representing the people of Queensland. Have a great Christmas and a great break. Uh, I'm having a well-earned rest, seeing my kids, having a couple of weeks at the beach, and we'll be back on Monday, the 16th of January. Stay safe on the roads and remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll talk to you in the new year. Merry Christmas and thank you from Zach and all the team here at Resonate, myself and everybody. Thank you for entrusting us with your stories and we'll be back next year. Till next time, it's bye for now.